0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable: Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Good morning, guys. Can we just, uh, can we just honor our band for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. A lot, it's a lot of work, specifically right now in this season, um, to just, to, to fill a full band. Um, and so I just, I honor you guys for your commitment to being here. Um, it kind of just makes it feel like classic Woodside Detroit, um, and I appreciate that very much. Um, but yeah, thank you for being here. Good morning, good morning. It's um, fall, fall just is here. Um, <clears throat> I was just talking about that last Sunday, and now... I'm wearing a sweatshirt for the second straight week, so I don't know what's going on. But um, yeah, I'm really glad to be here with all of you today. Um, Before we jump into the message, uh, I just want to give you like a brief update, um, specifically just to kind of about like Pastor Tim and our community and where we're at and where we're headed. Um, First and foremost, if if you weren't able to be with us last Sunday... Um, or if you haven't connected in uh, to our Facebook page, all of our Sunday services are, it's so weird. I'm staring right into this camera. They're all being recorded um, now. Megan and her team are doing an incredible job. And then they're mixing it, and then they're putting it up on Sunday afternoon on our Facebook page. So if you miss a Sunday or if you have friends or family that aren't able to get back yet or they want to connect in, Um, you are able to go right online to our Facebook page and um, you can watch all of our previous services. I think we have like the last three or four up. But the reason I mention that is because last weekend was really important um, for the present of our church, and for the future of our church. Um, Pastor Chris was here with Pastor Tim uh, and Tim's uh, counselor and therapist, um, Pastor John and they just talked a little bit about what Tim has been going through over the last uh, 10 weeks of his sabbatical. Um, If you're new to Woodside, Detroit, um, welcome. Uh, Our campus pastor has been on sabbatical. He's been resting um, a much-needed, much-deserved rest um, for the last eight to nine years of just consistent pastoral ministry in our community. but at the same time, uh, we all know that Tim has been wrestling as well um, with, with some of his, um, his mental demons. And they talked about it very openly last week, right? And so in the last 10 weeks, uh, Pastor Tim has been both diagnosed with um, general anxiety disorder, uh, and then on top of that, uh, major depression, major depressive disorder. Um, and and uh, those two things uh, on their own um, are 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 hard to walk and live through, um, but you can only imagine when those two things come together in a person, um, what that what that feels like, what that um, what that experience must be like. And so, it was really really great to have him back last week. But that's that's a lot, right? That's a lot. There's a lot of pressure um, to stand in his shoes. Um, specifically with some of the things that he deals with. Um, he's just so empathetic. He loves literally all of us in this place. And when I mean that he loves all of us, what I mean is that when you are going through something, the fullness and the weight of his heart is for you in that issue. right? And so you can imagine that that's hard for maybe one or two people, but for 450 in a community like we have, um, it can become really, really over. And so uh, I just wanted to let you guys know um, that for the foreseeable future, right, like the church, Woodside, Detroit, Woodside in general, our leadership team, Pastor Chris, Pastor Steve, and the executives, along with Tim, like his health is absolutely most important, and then the health of our church is absolutely most important, um, and so it's, 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 a unique, it's a unique place to be because how can we as a church move forward in health um, while this person over here is really struggling, right? And so the decision has been made just flat out like right, right now, Tim is going to continue on his sabbatical and he's not returning for the moment as campus pastor. Um, the plan is to reassess um, in early January as the new year rolls around. Um, how he's doing, what he's doing, um, but please know this: um, we love him. Amen. Like this, this is this is hard. It's hard for me personally. It's my my boss. It's one of my best friends. It's my mentor, my ministry mentor, and it's hard to watch him walk through this. And Pastor Chris said it so beautifully on Wednesday night. He came down to our to our to our meeting. And he said, you know, the Lord has given us the ability, strange as it is, to feel both sets of emotions at the same time, right? So it is possible to feel sad and upset and even like bummed out about a situation. And yet at the same time, it is possible to feel excited and hopeful for the future, right? And so like for me personally, and I think for us as a church, it is okay to feel broken up, to feel uh, upset and, and angry and sad for what this person has to walk through, but it is also good for us to, to have hope for the future, for him returning healthy, because our church needs a healthy Tim Holdridge. Like, our church, our church needs a healthy Tim Holdridge. But for Tim Holdridge to be healthy, it means for right now he has to take a step back from this place, right? And so I just wanna read you a quick snippet um, from Pastor Chris that he texted Kevin and I yesterday, and then we're gonna jump in to our new series, which actually, um, coincidentally or not, fits right into what we're talking about right now. And so yesterday, Pastor Chris just said this, please, please communicate to the church family that we are super grateful for their love and response to Tim's update concerning his journey with anxiety and depression. It wasn't easy for him to share last weekend, but their tangible, your tangible love, made him feel safe and supported. As he mentioned last week, there is a long road ahead. We are uncertain where the road will ultimately lead, but for now, church leadership, Tim, is determined that the best next step for him is to continue to focus on self-care and simply getting well. That means that between now and the end of the year, he will not resume his pastoral role. Instead, he will focus on handling some special ministry projects for Woodside. Guys, his ministry is not done, right? His ministry is not done. They sat up here literally last weekend, and his counselor, his mentor, communicated to us that he was on the brink of suicide as a pastor, his counselor, his ministry is not done. He will come out of this and he will be stronger and he will be better and he will be more equipped to lead people because we are broken people. We are broken people. Pastor Chris finishes up and he says, and this is a true statement, it's weird to read it in the third person, but our team at the Detroit campus loves him and is fully focused on leading us well. In addition to our current leaders, Pastor Rick, thank God for Pastor Rick Seidel. He preached here a couple weeks ago. He's been down every single weekend. He's like a utility player for Woodside which I love, because I'm like, I talk to him, and I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, I don't know, I'm a utility guy. And I was like, I've never felt more seen in my life. (laughs) So Pastor Rick's gonna be down with us over the next few months, helping out, preaching, teaching, just getting to know you, helping us to continue to do the ministry that God is calling us to do in this city, and to do it really, really well. And on top of him, Pastor Chris is also deeply committed to supporting our team and this church. I don't know if you can tell when he comes down here, but it's different for him down here. This is his home, man. This is his place. This is where he's from. This is where he grew up. He did ministry here for like 25 years. Like this is his place. And so he is deeply committed to our campus. So we're gonna be seeing a lot more of him over the next few months as well, which is never a bad thing. So we're excited for it, we're looking forward to it. But please, 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 guys, be in prayer right now because our church is definitely under attack from an enemy who's very real, right? It's not, it's not dumb for us to, to pretend that he's, that he's not real. So be in prayer, right? Like that is our calling right now. That is the main way that I can tell you that you can love our guy in this season. Yeah. He doesn't need us reaching out. He doesn't need us doing all of these things. He just needs us to be praying for him and interceding for him. Like, that's what he does for us on a daily basis. I've never seen someone pour their life out in such a way for a group of people. And now we have the honor and the privilege to turn around and do it right back for him. Right? So that's where we are. We're moving forward. We're sad, of course, but we're moving forward. And it's going to be good, and God is here, and he's present, and it's his church. It's not Tim's church. It's not my church. It's not Pastor Chris's church. It's God's church, and God's church. I love it. I love, what, I love what Jesus says, right? In the face of persecution, in the face of death, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And that is where we are. We are in his church, and he's building it, right? Come on. All right, all right. Thank you for that PSA. Let's dive into the word. It is, it is, it's funny how that works. It's funny how the Lord just like positions certain mornings with certain announcements and certain messages, and it's just totally Holy Spirit. And it's so fun to get wrapped up into it. And it's so good to be together this morning. It really is, whether you're here, whether you're connecting with us online, wherever you are, whatever time you're watching this at, we miss you, we love you, we can't wait to see you. If I could flip this camera around, there's a lot of open spots in this place, we'd love to have you come back. But regardless of your location this morning, the stark reality is that we face and find ourselves in the midst of an unprecedented season of life. Like we find ourselves in the midst of an unprecedented season of life and time, our world, our country, our city, our community, and church, right? 2020 was already supposed to be memorable, right? 2020, it's a perfect even number. It was supposed to be memorable on its own, and while COVID is a a major player, no doubt, there is a much greater feeling of, of heaviness around us, like this, like a looming fog that just won't lift. Listen to this excerpt from an opinion piece that we found, published in the New York Times just this past July. The author says this: "There's no particular moment when I gave up hope. It's been a gradual and exorable process. Once I'd given up, despair sometimes overtook me and I could not locate myself. Long-denied, painful feelings insisted on being noticed. I searched for something, anything with which to distract and busy myself, a goal, some direction, the promise of a worthy accomplishment, or at least a diverting amusement, anything to avoid the dissonance between my lifelong propensity toward optimism and my growing sense of despair." They go on to say, do I have hope now? If hope means the expectation that someone, a new president or something, geoengineering or some other techno fix, I don't even know what that means, is going to save us, then no, I'm hopeless or rather hope-free. Instead, I subscribe to Vaclav Havel's version of hope. It's not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. Man, to embrace like the dismal reality of death as something to to hope in as a consistent for the future is a, a sad way to live. And then there's this little piece from The Atlantic titled, I was depressed before all of this. Now what? I think we have a slide. I want to read you this little quote. It says this, the pandemic has been variously described as a mass trauma, a collective grief, and a feeling like it's the end of the world. In a recent poll, the Kaiser Family Foundation found that nearly half of Americans have seen their mental health impacted by the coronavirus. Coronavirus half of all Americans. And I think what this cultural moment is revealing the most is that the foundations that humanity has banked on holding up in the storm may not be as sturdy as once expected. Like a person or a relationship can only carry you for so long. A job can only provide for you for so long. A hobby can only like patch the hole for so long. I saw this commercial this week, I don't even, it's like for that ridiculous product, right? Where you like spray it on to a hole or the guy can like, he takes a boat and he like, I'm gonna cut this boat out and I'm gonna put a screen door in and then I'm just gonna like spray this black tar and I'm gonna go like, like, I'm gonna go boating, (laughs) what? But the best one is this. It's like if you order this now, we're going to send you this like incredible patch. And this patch is, is the, the greatest material ever invented by man or not man. And there's this huge, I'm talking like this huge bucket of water. And there's a hole in it, right? The guy's like pierces it and water is flooding out. And he's like, no way. And he slaps this stupid patch on it and it just stops. like a hobby, a person, a relationship, a job, it will only like hold the hole, it will only patch the hole for so long. But when the foundation breaks, people break. When the foundation in your life breaks, people break. USA Facts reports that 48% of Americans are feeling down and depressed or hopeless right now, and it's only growing. 48%, look around this room, that is literally half of you. Statistics tell me that half of you right now are feeling down, hopeless, or depressed, and it's only growing. Like, I don't presume to know where each of you are coming into this place today. I don't presume to know what each of you are are carrying in to this place today, what baggage or heaviness or struggles or fears that you bring with you. But I do know that there is a strong enough hope to break into the very depths of your brokenness and your pain strong enough to, to carry you when you feel like walking is impossible and sweet enough to kneel down and comfort you through the hardest, most trivial moments of life. There is a hope. Come on, there is a hope and it is alive. A hope with a pulse that isn't passive but active with a name and it's Jesus. Guys, this isn't Sunday school. I promise it's not Sunday school. It's not some church lingo. It's not just cliche. It's me standing up here telling you that this is what I firmly believe, and it's Jesus. The name, Jesus, at which everyone and everything will bow. Jesus, the one who holds all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus. Maybe you're here today, you're listening and your foundation has given out and you're grasping and you're kicking and you're fighting just to stay afloat. Welcome, you're not alone. Maybe you're you're walking with the Lord, but man, this season is like a bad dream and you just need a, a reset, you just need a refresher. Welcome, you're not alone. But take heart there is hope and the first reason is because heaven is secured take heart there is hope church and the first reason is because heaven is secured secured it means fixed tightly unable to be moved or lost heaven is secured for the follower of Jesus 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 Follow along in your Bible, behind me on the screen, the word of the Lord says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What a way to start a letter. I mean, if I got that letter in the mail, I don't even know if I'd be able to finish. But one of the things that I love most about the Bible and the Lord are that these people, that God uses to advance his kingdom, right? The people that God uses and chooses to advance his kingdom, and honestly, they're just like you and me. They're just like you and me, and here's Peter. Peter, the one who denied Christ yet preached at Pentecost, who is now leading the charge to minister to these young churches, and in this case, a very specific Group that he calls the elect exiles of the dispersion. This group that ended up scattered through what is now modern-day Turkey. Elect exiles. Such strong yet opposite words, elect exiles. He calls them elect or Peter reminds them of their identity in Christ. It's so good, church, to be reminded of our identity in Christ. Come on. He says, you are known by God. Church, you are known by God today. He says, you are sanctified. You are set apart by the Holy Spirit and chosen, loved, transformed by God because of Christ's death on the cross. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 puts it so perfectly. It says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son Heir through God, a new creation, y'all, and yet he calls them exiles. Adopted by God, yet enemies according to the world, children of God, yet chastised by the world. Church, to follow God is not just to walk in the park all of the rest of the days of your life. I was reminded this week in a teaching that the majority of Jesus' 12 disciples were actually martyred for their faith. They don't teach us that in seminary. (laughs) On top of it, really only a handful of books in the Bible were written by people living the American dream. The rest were enslaved, facing persecution, hiding in caves, experiencing death threats. Really, the entire New Testament was written in the face of a governmental system that flat-out hated Christianity. But here comes Peter with hope, and he says this to them, and he says the same words to us. You may be exiles, you may feel alone, but for those who believe, his mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. It is Christ's cross, a living hope. It is Christ's resurrection, a living hope, a hope that is alive because Christ is alive. Guys, it isn't, it isn't an, an insecure expectancy. It is an unshakable fact. The Bible says that our inheritance of heaven is, is three things. Come on, it's imperishable. It's enduring forever forever. It's undefiled, it's pure, it's untouched, and it's unfading. It will never lose its vitality and its strength. Me and you, you and me, we are human, and humans have to hope in something. It's how we were were built, it's how we are designed to hope in something. So, where is your hope today? Where is your hope today? I'll tell you this, know this, hear me when I say this, that God's power holds your salvation. God's power holds your soul, and his power holds our promise of heaven, and it is a reason to hope. The second reason that we can take heart this morning is because our suffering reveals our faith. Our suffering reveals our faith. What? Like, that might feel like the opposite of something to take hope in. Hey, your suffering reveals your faith. Have hope. It might feel like the opposite of something to praise God for. I am so thankful for how I'm suffering today, God. Thank you. But listen to the words of Peter here as he continues his letter in verse 6. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This letter, it offers this incredible promise for the future, for believers. And yet at the very same time, this very real truth that in this life we will experience trials of many kinds. And honestly, I love that Peter is so honest about it because trials are hard, right? Trials are hard. They can be terrible to experience and they can lead to immense amounts of grief. And it is okay to grieve. Like, it is okay to struggle. I don't know what you've been told before, I don't know what you've been preached about before, but I can tell you this, this is not a message to pretend that just because of Jesus, we are not allowed to feel emotions. That just because we have a hope, a living hope, it does not mean Or subtract from or diminish the reality that a lot of us are walking in and out of seasons of grief and sorrow and pain and hardship and trials. And it is okay to sit in that and to feel in it. But it is a message to say that in the midst of all of it, Holy Spirit is gracious and how he ministers and provides the kingdom perspective needed to remember what is promised ahead. Like, this, this is why community is so critical, guys. This is why community is so critical, and honestly, it's one of my favorite things about this church. The way that you all love each other. The fact that Pastor Chris, who's not down here often, can sit here and type a message to me and say, Tim felt the love of his church last Sunday. By the way, you come around him and love him and pray for him and show up for him. And he, this man, he saw it. He saw what makes this place so special. and It is the way that you love for one another. Like we've got a lot of hurting and broken people And we cannot let up on them. There is a stark reality, right, that the person next to you is one of those hurting, broken people. You cannot let up on them. You have to know their name. You have to say hello. You have to grab a coffee. You have to get on a Zoom call. You have to get into a group. We have to do life together, guys. But even more so, I want us to also recognize specifically that Peter is turning his attention to the suffering here that results from our faith. Right? I, love, I love the passages in the Bible where Jesus starts out and he says, like, hey, when you pray, do it like this. Or when Jesus is like, when you do this or when you do that or when this happens in your life and you respond like this, do it like this. I love those passages because it communicates that this way of living is simply expected as a disciple. Jesus isn't like, hey, guys, I'd love for you to pray. And um, if you do pray, it'd be great if you did it like this. He's just like, hey, listen up. When you pray, because I expect you to do it when you witness, because I expect you to do it. And here, Peter is addressing a group of believers who are being persecuted for their faith because of their faith. Honestly, honestly guys, like here in America, compared to history and compared to, to the church around the world, we've got it pretty good. Like I was in this teaching this week and it was such a, a powerful teaching and the. The, the pastor was essentially saying like, you know, for churches, we have our, our 501c3 like exemption. And he's like, you know, I'm not sure that's gonna end up down the road. And he's like, do you understand church that to have an exemption like that is a privilege? And if that exemption is taken away, it's not a persecution, it's just a privilege being brought back to normal. I just, I think from my brief time overseas and my brief time traveling and doing missions, that that here in America, we just have it a lot easier than a lot of people have and do have it. The point here is that the passage assumes that the follower of Christ witnesses. That is, disciples of Jesus, those of us that say, you know what, I follow Jesus, I am a disciple of, of Jesus, it is impossible to follow Jesus and not talk about him. Check yourself. It is impossible to follow Jesus and not talk about him. I get it. It's hard. Believe me, I know. Christ knows. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 3. Jesus says this, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. John chapter 15 Verse 18 says this, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And Matthew 24, verse nine says this, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. This is a very true statement. I'm actually a really shy person. I'm actually a really shy person and the fear of being rejected is quite real in my own life, but still Christ calls and still Christ compels us to action. But still Christ calls and still Christ compels us to speak. The good news is this, he doesn't expect us or leave us to do it on our own. Right, not only is, is Jesus the example for us, but he has given us his spirit to step into the uncomfortable and be bold. He's given us his spirit to step into the unknown and be confident. Y'all, the suffering of Christ revealed that the focus of his trust was in the Father, and that's the kicker. It was that heavenly perspective we've been talking about. It was that kingdom perspective we've been praying for that allowed him and allows us the ability to endure our earthly trials and tribulations. That heavenly kingdom perspective, the hope of what is promised, he is with us. That heavenly kingdom perspective The hope of what is promised, he is with you. So be bold and be confident that he has you and he's for you. And even if you fail, even if you're rejected, even if you get told no the rest of your life, guess what? He loves you. Come on. There was a moment in my life, I can remember, when I closed my eyes, it was a while ago. It was in YWAM, and I remember praying a prayer. I had just had this encounter with Holy Spirit. I was like beaming. I was so full. I was so expectant. And I remember praying this prayer, and I was so confident in that prayer, and that prayer has, has sustained me for the last nine years of my life. And it was simply this, God, if I never see another healing in my life, if I never see another person come to know you, if I am rejected, if I'm told no, over and over and over and over, nothing can compare to the reality that I'm loved by you. you. Nothing can compare to the reality that you are loved by Jesus. Life is hard. It's only getting harder. It's only getting harder for the, for the disciple of Jesus and culture today. But nothing can compare to the reality that you are loved by Jesus. Finally, guys, we can take heart simply because salvation has come. Salvation has come. Finish this out with me. Verse 10, it says this, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. I was thinking, I was thinking yesterday, man, it's got to be interesting being an Old Testament prophet, right? Receiving these words and these visions and these snippets from God about the future yet never fully knowing where or what occurred But I can tell you this, it has since been revealed and it is Christ. His perfect life, his his sacrificial death, his resurrection, it wasn't the end of history, rather, it was the linchpin of history and we are the recipients of God's redemptive promises. You, close your eyes, you are the recipient of God's redemptive promise. Good news has come, forgiveness has come, grace and glory have come, life has come, hope has come, salvation has come, and it has arrived and it is here. I love this, the Bible says that the heavenly beings have longed to see God's plan unfold. The angels long to look. The angels who are with him, they long to look because it is that good. It is that special. He is the only security that will satisfy. He is the only security that will satisfy. When he took his final breath and died on that cross, the Bible says the ground shook. The ground shook, and in that moment, Jesus became the only solid foundation to build your life upon. I love it. This idea the ground shook, he took it back. He said, this is mine and you will build your life upon me. I will not shake. I will not sway. The ground shook, I will not shake. Some of you need to hear that today. He's, he's, he's crying out to you. He's whispering to you. He's reminding you. He's catching you for the very first time. And he's saying this, I am a foundation that you can build your life upon and I will not shake and I will not sway. I'm not like him, I'm not like her. I'm not like that, I'm not like this. I'm not like that experience that happened to you, that person that hurt you. That job that, that left you that was like swept right off from underneath your feet, that promise that was given, that was broken, I'm not like that. I'm secure, I'm good, and I love you. Like there are a lot of offerings for us today, church, a lot of things that look and feel and seem really solid, I get it, it'll work for a while. The storms will come and the dam will break. And where is your hope? And who or what is your hope placed in? And what have you given your confidence to, your security to? It's so perfect, guys. We kicked off this series today and how timely, right? The present and future of our church is being attacked. Our country becomes more divisive and hostile by the day our world seems so fragile as foundations are crumbling, but we can take heart. You can take heart. In the midst of chaos and confusion and unknown, there remains one constant, Jesus, and he is an unshakable constant an unshakable constant, a foundation capable and worthy of carrying us forward, carrying you forward, a foundation capable and worthy of giving us hope, of giving you hope, and a foundation capable and worthy of going all in on. You can be confident to build your life on this foundation because this foundation is not going anywhere. No storm. No damn, nothing can shake or move the foundation of Jesus Christ in your life. If you need to chat today or pray today, man, would you just find one of us outside on the steps after church, we would love to talk with you, to pray with you, but take heart, church, heaven is secure. Take heart, church, your suffering is temporary and take heart, church, salvation has come and his name is Jesus and he loves you and he's for you and he has room for you. He never promised that our life following him would be easy but he promises security and he promises hope and he promises a foundation that you can be 100% in on. He's that good He's that strong, he's that powerful, he's that lovely. We just honor you today, God. We need that more than ever, God, in, in, the, in the history of Woodside, Detroit, Jesus. We need, we need that hope full front right here. Our enemy, our adversary is absolutely alive. He's absolutely at work and we need you, Jesus. There are people here right now that are broken, God. They are quite literally at the end of the rope. The end of the line, they're broken. They need you, Jesus. I minister to you in Jesus' name right now. Receive hope. I love the idea that in this place on a Sunday morning, our prayer team goes ahead of us, they go before us, and they seal this place off. And when they seal this place off, that means that the enemy has no power, no authority, no control in this place. And so right now, perhaps for the first time in a long time, you are untouchable by the enemy. Receive the ministry of Jesus as he comes. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, move right now. Holy Spirit, move right now the way that you do in power and fire. Only you know what they need, so come and just do it. to our fearless leader, to the one that we love. God, we say protect him, wrap him up within you today. God, wherever he may be, whatever he's experiencing, whatever he's feeling, God, we just pray his identity as a son, as an heir to the throne, a co-heir with Christ. We just release that identity back over you today, Tim, in Jesus' name, trusting and believing that right now Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart. And God, finally, we just respond to you today. God, it is so good to respond. We respond to you, God, because you are, you are worthy of all of our response. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. None is like you. None can compare to you, God. There is no foundation in, on earth like you. So we love you, Jesus. We respond to you today, Jesus.